Bow your heads with me as we pray first before we start our time together in the study of God's Word. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, thank you so much that we can come and study your Word now. We just ask for your Holy Spirit to please be with us and guide us and lead us into all truth, Lord, that we might discern the message that you have for us this evening. Lord, you've told us that your words are pure, and I just pray that as those words settle into our hearts that are written there, that you would purify our hearts as well with your word and with your spirit. Thank you, O Lord, for this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series on the Mount of Blessing, and we just finished Matthew chapter 5 last week. We're going to be starting in Matthew 6 this evening, and the title of our study is A Secret with God. And so let's start by going to our first text there, and we're going to go through the the big passage here in Matthew chapter 6, just a few verses, pardon me, and we're going to then start dissecting and looking into these verses. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Take heed that ye do not your arms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly." So this word arms is repeated a lot throughout these verses, and not many people know what that word itself means. What does it mean? It just means good works or acts of pity or compassionateness. So Jesus tells us that when we do arms, when we do good works, we don't need to tell others about it. When we do it in such a way to be seen of others, Christ says that we don't have any reward from our Father in heaven. In context, what did Jesus teach us about? The last study, it was being perfect, right? But what does this all mean? It was about loving our enemies. We don't need to tell the the, the world how good a person we are. We don't need to stand on the sidewalk and display our good works and how much we are helping those that are in need or that are poor. Then this was obviously a problem that Jesus had to address. Why? There was a group that was actually doing this. Verse 2 actually tells us this. Let's go back there. Let me show you. When thou doest thine arms, do not sound the trumpet as what? As the hypocrites do. So there were hypocrites that were doing this, but even then, that could be anybody, right? But yet it tells us that these hypocrites are where? They're in the synagogue. They were in the church. They wanted people to think highly of them, to praise them. These were religious people that went to church every single week. These were Christians. But let's be more a bit specific, right? When the Bible talks about hypocrites, especially here in Matthew, what does it also point to as well? Well, let's go to another passage in Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 to 15. Who were the hypocrites that Jesus was referring to? 
But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. And then verse 15, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. We're not actually going to study these verses to to see what they mean. Yes, there's a lot of meaning that is pregnant in these verses itself, but we're not going to go through all those details. The only thing that I want you to see that's repeated every single time in each verse is what? The word hypocrite but not just hypocrites. It also points out a group of people there that we know certainly are in the church. It was who? The scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees are classified as the hypocrites. And these people were certainly in the church. They were not just any churchgoer. They were the religious leaders of the day. And so when we see the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus calls them a bunch of hypocrites and seemingly what they were doing was pretentious. They weren't helping people because they felt compassion, uh, compassion upon them and loved them. They weren't, they weren't helping the poor and feeding the, those that were, that were hungry and you know, giving home to the homeless and doing all these things because they actually loved them. But they, according to what Jesus is saying, wanted to see, be seen by everybody. They wanted everybody to know that they were doing all these good works. They wanted to be praised by men. They wanted to be thought highly of and respected, I guess. And so they did all these things for the sake of what? Their reputation, you see? And you know, some of us, we might think, wow, are you serious? People actually do that out there? You're going to see that many of us are like this still today to a great extent as well. But the scribes and the Pharisees, look at their actual condition. Look at what Jesus actually says about them in Mark chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Do you see that? That word hypocrite is mentioned again, and the scribes and Pharisees are mentioned again in this passage. And they were going to Jesus. They were asking, look at your disciples. They're not washing their hands before they eat. They're they're transgressing the tradition that we have in our culture. And Jesus turned around and said, look, you, 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 you hold your tradition so high that you actually transgress the commandment of God. They put their traditions so high that they stopped caring for people. They cared so much about the forms and ceremonies in the church that they lost sight of the person and the meaningful um, situation for people to come and actually worship and enjoy that worship time together. 
And could it be that sometimes we have so many traditions, we have so many ceremonies, we, we come in such a way, maybe we dress in such a way to church to be seen by men and we hold our tradition so high that we forget the spirits behind it. Look, I'm not saying come to ch church in shorts and t-shirt and, and jeans and ripped jeans and, a, and just a polo top. I think we should still dress our very best. I still think that we should give God our very best. That's not a tradition. That's an understanding of the respect and the love and the adoration that we have for God. Look, we should do our very best in these things and not say, oh, because of what Jesus was teaching, that we can let down our standards in any way. There are good traditions to have, but the problem with the scribes and Pharisees was they held their traditions so high that they didn't care about other people out there. They just wanted to be seen as pious. They just wanted to be seen like they were such holy men, that they were men that could be well-respected and maybe you can come and counsel with me and talk with me and maybe you can make me your leader as well, you see? So they were doing things out of other ulterior motives, not for the love of men, not for the love of Christ or God. And so they were just these empty, hollow shells. They were upholding their forms like everything else that they had followed, and they wanted everybody to know it. But taking it a step further, look, do we actually do that today? Are we really like the scribes and the Pharisees? Are there really people in the church like this today? Well, probably more so, actually. You know, with the advanced age that we live in today, with Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and all these other media streams out there, all these platforms that can just publicize our photos and our videos with just a click. Many of us, we, we do that. It's not just traveling photos, but we like to tell the whole world sometimes about our good works, show the people what we're doing and how good a person we are. Granted, not everybody does that, but telling the world about our good works, it still is a problem in our churches today. We like to tell people what we're getting up to and how good we are. But you know what, friends? Jesus is telling us, don't even let your right hand know what the left hand is doing and vice versa. The important question that we must ask ourselves is this. What is our motivation, our intention for publicizing our good works? What's the reason behind it? Why? Because Matthew chapter 5 actually talks about our good works for others to see. Yes, in, in Matthew 5, it actually does talk about this. Do you remember? We're going to look at it in a second. But yet in Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't tell. And so there seems to be like this contradiction. But is there really? Let's go back to Matthew 5, shall we? And verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Do you see that? we got to let our light shine. we got to let people know about our good works because when they see our good works, they'll turn around and glorify our Father in heaven. So look, there is a publicity that we should have about our good works, it seems, that people should see it, right? But you see, what is the result? What is the result? that people would glorify our Father in heaven. It's not for the sake of self-glory. It's not for the sake of 
promoting myself and doing showing people just simply what I'm doing. There has to be a reason why these good works are shown. But you know what? It's not like the good Christian, the righteous man and woman should go out and do all their works in public. No, the fact is, if you are a righteous person, you will do good works in public. It will be seen. It will be obvious. People will take notice of it. They will be able to see it with their own eyes. And when they're able to do that, the result is what? They will glorify God. But what are these hypocrites doing in Matthew chapter 6? What were the scribes and Pharisees doing? What was their motivation behind what they were doing? Do you remember in Matthew chapter 6 verse 2? When thou doest thy arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have what? Glory of men. And you see, friends, there is the difference. The reason why some people do good works is not to glorify God. They want to take the glory to themselves. It has nothing to do with God at all. And so in Matthew 5, people see our good works, they glorify the Father. Matthew 6, they see our good works, they glorify us. And so the focus is wrong. The motivation and intention behind it is all wrong. Jesus wants all the glory to go to God. If not, it's better we keep it secret. It's better that we don't let other people know about it at all. You see that? And so what is your motivation behind why you take every photo that you take and why you publish it for everyone to see? What is the motivation behind the video that you take and put it on the internet for everybody to see? Is it for the glory of God or is it for the glory of yourself, for the glory of man? And, you know, I guess sometimes we have to be careful about even the jobs that we take because sometimes it is all about publicizing ourselves, taking all the glory to ourselves. And with that, I guess sometimes you talk about what? The, the good works and the, the, the models that are out there and people that are just flaunting their looks and all these sorts of things. What is the reason behind all of this? Yes, some people want to make a living and earn money on the, on, the, on the internet and, you know, the more views and the more likes and the more followers and the subscribers that they have, the more money they'll earn. But really, friends, what is your motivation? What is the push behind all of this? Coming back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 3. But when thou doest thine arms, do not, left your left, do not let your left hand know what thy right hand doeth. What does it mean to not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing? Don't even let those that are closest to you to know what is being done. They'll find out in due time. But we don't need to go out of our way to tell them, oh, today I was doing this and I was doing that and I was doing this good work. That's why I'm late or that's why I'm tired. We don't need to tell people our good works. We don't need to tell people how many pages of the Bible I've read today or how many bowls I've served to the, to the homeless, you know, bowls of food. We don't have to tell people uh, how many sermons I've written or how, how many sermons I've listened to or, you know, how long I spent in my devotion. Friends, we don't need to publicize all these things. Why? If God is with us, it will be obvious that there is a power that accompanies us. What should we be looking for as a reward for our good works here in Matthew chapter 6? Look at this in verse 4. 
that thine arms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Friends, we should long for the reward that comes from God and God alone, not from the praise of men. What is that reward? We actually don't know. When you look at Matthew 6, we don't know what that reward is. Jesus doesn't tell us what it is, but we're told that God will reward us openly one day. Does that mean that we'll become famous today on this earth while we're living this mortal life? Maybe not, right? That reward may come at the second coming when we get to heaven. Then definitely everybody will know. It may not be now, you see. So what is the motive that drives you to do what you do, the good works that you have, what is the reason behind it? We must learn to give all the glory back to God. People don't need to see how much we sacrifice, what time we slept or how little we slept. They don't need to know how many hours you worked without getting paid or how many people you fed. You see, many of us, we we like words of affirmation. Yes, we do. But if we actually do a good work and don't get affirmation from someone, will you still continue to do it? That begins to show our intentions and motives, doesn't it? Do you still have the drive to do what you do in your good works when no one else actually knows about it? Then we begin to understand the stream from which all these good works spring forth. Is it for the glory of God or is it for self-exaltation? We don't actually need all that affirmation because why? The good work itself gives us all the good emotions, the good endorphins that make us feel good knowing that we've done something good for somebody, not because someone is praising us. You know what I mean? It's important to know you're doing the right thing, but you know, you'll see as people react around you according to your works, what you do for them. When you feed the homeless, you don't need to tell, uh, feel good because someone praised you, wow, you fed the homeless, good on you. All you need to do is look at the eyes of that homeless person and see how they react. And you'll see the gratefulness and the the happiness and just to see that they can be fed. Of course, there are some that come through with just a long face and just keep going and you feel like, oh, no thanks from them. But that even then shows a motive, doesn't it? Why are you doing it? Even if they don't thank you for the good works that you did to them, will you still do it? That's the question. But Christ, he's not done yet. He doesn't just talk about doing good works. What else does he talk about that we should be doing in private? Our secret with God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Do you see that? In the same way that we shouldn't parade all our good works before everyone, Jesus is saying that we shouldn't do that with our prayers as well. It's the same principle as we don't talk about our good works to everyone, let's make sure that our prayers are different as well. Now, look, does that mean that we should never pray in public? 
So public prayer at church is wrong, and praying in a group is wrong, and in a family, and between friends. Of course, we know that's not the case. But let's not pray five-minute prayers when it comes to our food. Sometimes we like to pray for everything, our sins, the condition of the world, our studies, and then the food, right? But when we pray for food, let's just pray for food. We don't need to parade our prayers and make a show of our prayers. Let's not draw down in length. And let's not use all our emotion and big words just praying for food. Let's learn to just keep it simple and to the point. It's not a sign of humility to pray long and drawn-out prayers. But friends, we got to learn to, yes, still pray and pray earnestly. But the the bulk of the work of our prayers is never done in public. It's done behind closed doors in our closet. That's how secret Christ wants our prayers to be. And Jesus, once again, he identifies the hypocrite in regards to their prayers as well. We know that the hypocrites are already connected to the scribes and the Pharisees. Let's take a look at how the Pharisee prays, shall we? Now, this is a story, a parable. Jesus, he tells it in regards to the Pharisee. And look at this, Luke 18, 10 through 14. Luke 18, 10 through 14. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The prayer between or contrasting a publican's prayer and a Pharisee's prayer. How did the Pharisee pray? Well, first, he started by putting others down. God, I'm so thankful that I'm not like all these other people out there. I'm not glad that I'm not like the murderer, the liar. I'm glad I'm not like that publican over there, God. You see that? But he didn't stop there. He boasted about all his good works to God in prayer, standing at the street corner, obviously wanting everybody to hear about what he'd been doing. I fast twice a week, and God, I give tithes of all that I possess. Yes, I give money to you a lot. He was doing all these things to be seen and heard of men, that they might, wow, what a wonderful man. Son, you got to grow up to be like this sort of man, you see? He wanted the praise and the honor and all the glory. But yet, Jesus said that that Pharisee did not go down to his house justified. The publican did. All he did was pray a short, simple prayer. Didn't even lift up his face to heaven. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The publican, pardon me, the Pharisee, he tried to take the glory of God to himself. He thought that his works merited him something. He thought that his works was what made him holy. And so that's why 
he was boasting about all that he was doing. He was not like this person, not like that person. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. But he did do this and he did do that. And he focused so much on his works and prayed out so loud and publicly just for people to see, boasting about who he was and what he did. Friends, let's not compare ourselves to others. And we don't have to parade our good works before people. And not only that, we don't need to tell God about our good works as well. Right? So even our prayers, they need to change. Jesus is saying, don't parade those prayers about your good works to everybody. This only becomes a necessity, you know, when our heart is empty. Then we're, we're looking for things to, to, to fill our hearts, and it's the praise of men and not God's glory and His character in us. When our hearts are empty, friends, this is why we, we start praying a different way. We start looking at our works a different way. We, we care about what people think about us and our good works. We don't care about what God thinks because we're not spending time with Him. You see, the Pharisees, they were just like this. Look at Matthew 23 and verse 27. Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Why? For you are like whited sepulchers. You're like those tombs that are nice and white and beautiful on the outside, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. You see, friends, the reason why the scribes and the Pharisees focused so much on their outward works, that they wanted to show people how pious they were in their prayers and boasting even when they were praying, is because inside, they were empty. Inside, they they had nothing there. They didn't have God. They didn't have His love. They didn't have His character. They were empty inside, and so they wanted something else to to prop them up and to fill their hearts and fill their heads more like than anything else. And so they were boasting. They were trying to show people their great works and their good works and how good they were and how pious they were when in fact they weren't pious at all. And it seems like their their works didn't show it, but yet it did in some sense. But yet they had all these quote-unquote good works, but it wasn't satisfying. It was pointing in the wrong direction, not to heaven, but to self. You see that? And so, friends, God looks on the heart. We don't need to make a show of our good works or make these long, pretentious prayers and open prayers at a public at the street corner. It doesn't merit us any favor from God at all. Jesus says, you pray in secret. You pray in your closet. God will reward you openly. You do your good works in secret. I will reward you openly, he says. But lastly, coming back to Matthew chapter 6, Look at this. Jesus taught one more lesson about prayer. Verse 17. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Christ told told us, he taught us not to use vain repetitions. What does it actually mean to pray with vain repetition? What does the word vain repetition mean? It means a proverbial stammer. It means to stutter or to talk tediously, meaning you're wearing people out by talking and going on and on and on and on. So look, first, we got to learn to speak properly. We must not stumble over our words. 
And maybe some of us, when we first start to learn how to pray, we should write our prayers out so that we can overcome the, the feeling of nervousness when we're in public, and so we're not repeating the same phrases over and over again. So in that way, you can look at vain repetition. But the second meaning of that vain repetition was talking tediously, wearing people out by your incessant and talking too much um, prayer. So when we pray with vain repetition, not only prayer that is repeated without meaning is bad, but we shouldn't have all these long and drawn-out prayers. Friends, look, the time to pray long is in the closet, in private, when you're at home, in your room, behind closed doors. That's the time to get on your knees and pray a long time. That's the time to be there for 20, 30 minutes. That's the time that you can say whatever you want in between you and God, and it doesn't matter because it's all between you and God and no one else. That's the time that you can pour out your heart to God and tell Him about your burdens, tell Him about your sorrows, tell Him about your joys. This is the time to do it. We don't need to have these long and drawn out and tedious, incessant prayers in public. We don't need to make a show of it. We don't need to make all this flowery language. We don't need to keep going on and on and on. And I hope that you don't feel like I'm going on and on and on, but I hope you understand that in public, we don't need to make a show of piety. It's okay to have short prayers. It's okay to just say, thank you, Lord, for the food. Please bless it in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, 10 seconds, it's okay. Sometimes we feel like, oh God, you can only be with us if I pray for 30 seconds at the least. And you know, 30 seconds doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm telling you, it does not pass very quickly. It goes on and on. And then when you begin to hear people shuffle their feet or begin to sigh, you know you've gone on for too long already. Jesus says, don't make vain repetitions. Don't have to be long-winded. Don't have to pray all these tedious prayers. Before we stop here, though, even as we've gone through these two things about having good works that are secret, you don't need to tell anybody, and also praying in secret, there's one more thing, actually, that Jesus does tell us we should do in secret and do not let anybody know what it's all about. What is it? Matthew chapter 6, 16 to 18. Jesus says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites. We know that already. The Pharisees and the scribes, right? Why? They're of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, that they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Friends, when we fast, we should do it in secret. Don't be like the Pharisees. They disfigure their faces. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so hungry. I can't join for this. I can't do that. I guess that's what they were doing in my imagination, right? They, they, they were having these sad faces because they were so hungry. And friends, no one feels good when they're hungry. Definitely. But Jesus is saying, when you fast, you fast for a reason. Yes, not just fasting because you want to lose weight. But when you fast, you couple it with prayer. 
You're praying for something important. You're praying for someone maybe who is going through some sickness. Maybe you're going through some sorrow. Maybe you're fasting because you need to know God's will for your life. Something important or some important decision that you're about to make. And so when we fast, Jesus says, wash your face, freshen up. Don't look like you haven't eaten for for 10 hours. Just learn to look like you're normal and happy and that everything is okay. You don't need to go out of your way to tell people you're fasting. You don't even have to tell, oh, why aren't you uh, eating? Oh, I'm fasting because I I need to pray really hard for something important. You don't need to do that. You just say, oh, it's okay. I just don't feel like eating right now. You don't have to explain to everybody the whole situation. Just fast in secret. Don't need to let people know. Don't need to go to the front of the church and pray there while everyone is standing there. And it's like, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. Don't disturb me. I need to pray. No, we can go off to the corner, go into a room, go into the closet, fast secretly. And when the Father sees us in secret, He will reward us openly. We don't need to announce it to the whole world. We've got to let our works be in secret to God. Our good works, our prayers, and our fasting. And when when God rewards us openly, that really is the reward of the Christian to know that your prayers and your fasting has been answered. So often we, we, we don't do the things that are needed to be done in secret. We don't do it. And we're not praying. We're not fasting. Yes, we're doing works, but these works now become skewed because God is not in the midst of it. We're not committing everything to Him that we're doing these things to be seen of men. But you know, when God pours out His blessing, friends, that's the biggest sign. This is the biggest Uh, sign to us personally to know that God is with us, that He sees our fasting, that He hears our prayers. Just like the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, when they were praying and they were seeking God for 10 days straight in the upper room, 120 of them, they came together and they were praying and I'm sure they were fasting to some extent and God rewarded them openly. He didn't make them famous, no. God poured out His Holy Spirit upon them. And when Peter preached and all the apostles got up to preach, 3,000 were pricked in their hearts and converted and baptized in that day. That was the reward that the apostles got to know that God was hearing their prayers and seeing their good works in a sense. All the fasting that they were doing, all these things were done behind closed doors. Friends, God wants us to be lights of the world today as well. He wants us to pray. He wants us to do good works. He wants us to fast. Why? So ultimately, all the glory will go back to God. Let us learn to do these things in secret. And for us, some of us, let us just learn to start doing them. It is so important in the finishing of the work, to the preaching of the gospel, If we do all these things, God would baptize us with His Spirit today. He would empower us. He would help us to have victory over sin. 
He would give us the wisdom needed for every task, not just for self-glorification. Oh God, I need to pass this exam. Oh God, I need to find a job or, or, or figure out this, this problem in my work. No, it's not just for temporal reasons, but that all the glory might go back to God again. And so friends, let us learn to submit everything to God. Let us learn to do in secret what needs to be done in secret. And at the end, as our works shine out, it will be seen of all men. They might see our light. They might feel the influence of the salt. And they will turn around and give all the glory back to God. Friends, may God's power and His Spirit accompany you today. May we have a greater desire and a vigilance to go back and and pray and really fast and seek God with all our hearts that His blessing may rest on us today. Not simply because we want to be more rich or live a more comfortable life or just pass our exams so we can get top marks in our schooling. No, friends, but that we might be a blessing. That God's blessings might be poured out upon us so that we can be an even greater blessing, just like Abraham was, as God wanted him to be at the very beginning. Friends, let's be that light of the world today, but let's allow God to light the fire in our hearts behind closed doors. Would you pray with me as we ask God to help us, not just to see the importance of his word. I believe we see that importance, but that we would give him an opportunity by taking aside some of our time, maybe even this evening, after you've finished watching this, that we would get on our knees and spend a bit more time there and say, God, teach me how to pray. Help me to understand what it really means to pray and to seek you with all my heart. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that Christ, he helped us to see that The Christian life isn't about going to church, isn't about doing all these good works that are important, but it's spending time with you in secret. Not at church to hear a sermon and to hear someone else pray, but that we might learn how to pray, that we might learn how to walk with you as Enoch did of old. Lord, please teach us what it really means to pray and to fast and do the good works that you want us to do today that we might be a blessing and not just hold all the blessings for ourselves, but that we might bless others around us as well. So Lord, please continue to guide my brothers and sisters. Help us to pray more earnestly behind closed doors, especially on the Sabbath. Thank you, O Lord. And we just surrender our lives again into your hands today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.